Hello, friends. I'm Sarah Gump from the Cedarville Stories podcast team. This interview is a special one. Rarely do you find a college student with a passion for academics, ministry, and worldwide evangelism. Listen close as Mark Weinstein has a great conversation with SGA president Sarah Shaw. What an honor. This is the first time we've had royalty on the podcast. And by royalty, I'm referring to Sarah Shaw, Student Government Association president here at Cedarville University. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you very much for having me, Mark. It is so good to have you. Good to meet you really for the first time. And I want to dive into three topics today uh, with you. One, your role as SGA president, Mm -hmm. your experiences at Cedarville, and then uh, you choosing Cedarville, how you came to select Cedarville as a place where you wanted to study. So let's let's start with uh, your role as SGA president. Uh, what does it like to be the SGA president at Cedarville? Wow, that is such a good question. Being SGA president is such an honor, and it is very humbling. Mm. Um, realizing that I'm a sinner, but the Lord has opened up this door and this position for me to be a part of and to lead. I feel so unqualified for it, but it's been incredible. We have incredible leaders who have poured into the team, who have poured into me, and have prepared us, worked with us during the summer and even before school started so that we're ready and equipped to lead well. What does an average day as SGA president look like? I'm a normal student, so get up in the morning, make sure I have my bag packed and outfit picked out. It's almost like having another job. Mm -hmm. But I do realize that the minute I step out of my door, I'm on in a way because people know they recognize me and I can see it the way they look at me or they'll smile or something like that. So I know that when I step out the door, I'm wearing multiple hats. So I'm a student, I'm a friend, but I also have this role that I'm in for this year. And so I attend classes, but I also have meetings scattered throughout the day. There are a lot of things that SGA does in terms of events, involvement and campus community. And I work with my team. So generally, um, in a week, we all have different office hours. So I'll come in in the office and check up on people and see how they're doing, work on some of my to-dos, and then make sure that I have my day scheduled out well so I can put in some studying in there. And yeah, I have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Sure. Um, I'll try and like double that up with meetings so that I can make the most of my time. You're multitasking. Yes. So when you talked about working with members of SGA, Mm -hmm. like what are some projects you guys work on? That is such a good question. So um, like I said, SGA is divided into actually quite a lot of things. So we have our chaplain, Isaac Dye, Mm -hmm. and he's in charge of the SGA band, but also preparing for SGA chapels. And as the president, um, me and my vice president, Zach Rubosky, we get to work with him and help him out on that. We also have Jeff Smith, who's on the team, and he's our senior class president, and he's in charge of all of class council. And so we kind of check in with him on how they are doing. But that's kind of his his thing. Um, and then under SGA, we have events, and they do Mission Impossible. Oh, awesome. Um, that sounds which fun. It was. This year it was storming Area 87. We had quite the turnout. We have King of the Ville coming up. We also plan Aleve as well as JS. Okay. We have involvement. Actually, our event directors are Kristen Hane and Brooke Carruthers. For involvement, we have Natalia Stout and Jake Allenson, and they're in charge of all the orgs present on campus. So any org president, vice president, or the leadership of that org reports to Natalia and Jake, and they make sure that the orgs have their incentive funds or that they're doing things well and sticking to the org guidelines. Mm -hmm. And then we have Campus Community, headed by Erica Zicke and her team, and we do TNLs, which is Thursday Night Lives. 
As what, what's a Thursday Night Live? Thursday Night Live is um, just an evening. It, we start at 7, go until about 9 um, in Stingers, in the lower SSC. And we invite bands or class council or different orgs to come together and just present something. So like our last two Thursday Night Lives, we did class identity experiences where we invited the senior class over for a time of worship. We had the jazz band come in and play. We had the new student talent show during a Thursday night live. So it's really it's just a chill evening for students to come together and sit down and relax with their friends and either enjoy music or be a part of a conversation or a dialogue. Mm-hmm. And so it varies. But every Thursday we have something. I have to admit, hearing some of the responsibilities that you mm-hmm. just outlined makes me wonder how you even get your studies done. How <laughs> do you balance student life, class life, mm-hmm. and then SGA? Well... Google calendars is Mm -hmm. one that has been so incredibly helpful. Um, I would say my team, if you have a good team, you don't work as much. If you have a team doing their job, that takes a huge load off my back. Um, And I have an incredible team. And so that has really helped me. I give them a task and I have full confidence in them that they'll be able to do it. So I'm able to step back and not, not micromanage because I feel like many times People will try and micromanage things, and that's not your job. You have a team member for that reason, and that's in their job description. So um, so that's one of the things. Um, studies, you have to be very—I found that I need to be very diligent. I am a huge procrastinator. Are you really? <laughs> I am. And so an important thing is knowing that. And so I know that I'm a huge procrastinator. So if, if I have a big paper due, I'll have an idea for it like three weeks in advance. But in reality, I'll be working on it the week of. Sorry to all the professors who hear this, Um, (laughs) but just taking out time, knowing yourself, knowing how hard you need to work on something and saying, okay, I'm going to block this time out and this is my study time. I know that if I, I'm an extrovert, so if I study in the library or study in the SSC, I'm going to be talking to people and saying hi, and I'm not going to be very productive. So I have to remove myself from that and go to my townhouse or go to a secluded place so I can knock stuff out. um, And then balance that. And then, of course, time in the word is important. Um, going to church. So realizing what my priorities are and how much time I need to spend for each of those. Mm-hmm. I'm no expert on this. I'm still learning. So Aren't we all? Yes. We really are. Mm-hmm. What do you hope to accomplish? You have one semester left mm-hmm. here at Cedarville as a student. What do you hope to accomplish during your final semester? Wow. I would like to finish my Cedarville experience well. And what does that mean? That means I live that semester for the glory of God, mm-hmm. primarily. SGA is something that's temporary. I'll be giving it up in a few months, passing right. it on, passing the baton on. Um, I'll be finishing my study, saying bye to some of my dearest friends. I want to look back and say, yes, the Lord provided great opportunities, but did I glorify his name and did I live my life according to his word? And I would really hope my answer would be yes as I walk across the stage with my diploma in my hand. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. your heart with us. Uh, let's transition to your experiences here early mm-hmm. in Cedarville. You've mentioned uh, in our previous conversation that you've been part, you're part of several orgs mm-hmm. and departments. What orgs are you a part of? Yeah. So I'm a part of three. Um, Mukapa. What's Mukapa? Mukapa is an org for MKs okay. so, and um, internationals, as well as really anybody who wants to learn about um, different cultures across the world. So it's filled with students from different areas of life um, who just have a hunger to to learn about the world. So, so by you participating in these orgs, mm-hmm. does that mean you're an international student? I am, yes. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of during international orientation was when I was introduced to Mukapa and Miso, which is another multicultural org. Okay. Um, and that's how I joined those orgs because it's primarily a group of internationals, MKs, TCKs, which is third culture kids, um, which I'm that too. So it was a great way to make friends and be with students who had similar life experiences and start off our year together because being an international, there was no way that I could come to see you Fridays or all accesses. And so this was a really good bonding experience to be with other students who'd never seen campus before, who came from a different culture and kind of learned the ropes together. So as an international student, how difficult was it to adjust to campus life? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I had two older sisters who were currently at Cedarville when I came in as a freshman. So that made the transition really easy. Like props to them for showing up when I was extremely homesick and making sure I had everything. Um, But also we have international services here at Cedarville and they did such a good job in looking after us and helping us acclimate to the culture. So I mentioned that we have international orientation and they bring us in a week early before getting started weekend and just talk about integrating into the American culture. For instance, coming on time to events because, I mean, I'm half Colombian and we don't do time very well. So coming and saying, hey, you need to be five minutes early to your class. If you walk in late, your professors will not appreciate that. They talked about how to write an MLA or APA form. We never did that. They talked about just Cedarville culture and took us on a tour of the university. So kind of we got our bearings and then our parents were there too. And they kind of did a session for parents too. So like how not to be helicopter parents. Mm. Who do you need to contact? Um, They told us about the different resources that Cedarville has, like the writing center, which I was there almost all of my freshman year because writing here is different. And so, yeah, they really helped the integration into the American culture. And then having the different orgs and being a part of the groups and kind of talking about our experiences later on as we like carried on really helped. What do you think the impact that you've had as an international student on the Cedarville culture? Mm -hmm. Honestly, I don't know. I think... Looking back, maybe I'd be able to see that. I just think in general, internationals and third culture kids, they are able to bring so much more to the table as well as other Cedarville students. Like when I think about the American culture, yes, there's the ones that have all the stereotypes, but then also you look at people from different states. You look at how different Cedarville is from Dayton or Cedarville from Xenia and just the different cultures that people grow up in. And I think that's incredible. So I know I can be sitting across someone else who's grown up in the cornfields of Ohio and I've grown up um, in India and we talk about our different experiences realizing that we both have so much to give and so much to learn and so much to teach the Cedarville community. Yeah. Now, just from our conversation, from my perspective, Mm -hmm. I view you as a leader. You've done a lot on campus in your four years. Do you consider yourself a leader? Well, first of all, thank you very much. That's a good question. Do I consider myself a leader? I would say yes, but I have not made it as a leader. So I would say I am a leader, but I'm a growing leader. I hope to be a growing leader and hope I am a growing leader. Sure. Because I don't ever want to be at a point saying, oh, I have it all or I know it all. Because that's not true. One, the world isn't perfect and I'm not perfect, so that's never going to happen. Right. But leaders who stop learning become stale and then end up not leading well. Um, leaders who become prideful, similar to that. So I hope that I am a humble, growing leader, and that's what I aim to be. Thank you. So as a leader, mm-hmm. and 
you know your leadership style. Mm-hmm. What would you say are two or three key leadership traits that you try to embody mm-hmm. as you lead an SGA? That's a good question. I would say the first one that immediately popped into my head is um, following the example of Jesus and being a servant leader, being the least of these. I remember talking to my mom about, like, even before running for SGA and saying, hey, this is a possibility. And she goes, if you win, incredible. If you lose, incredible too. But if you do win, do you remember why the Lord chose the Israelites? Mm. And I said, I I stopped a bit because I will tell you the answer. But if you know the answer already, it's kind of humbling. And the Lord chose the Israelites. I forget which verse this is, but it's because they were the least of these, the least of the tribes of the nations. And she said, you remember that if the Lord chooses you for this position. And so remembering that, remembering Sarah Shaw, Heather, is not something great. She's just a student that the Lord has allowed this position, allowed me to be in this position. So I need to remember that when I'm up on the chapel stage, when I'm heading meetings. So I would say the first thing is being a servant leader, following the example of Christ. Along that will come seeking to serve, which General Reno says a lot, and that's actually where I got it from. I know you have. But mm -hmm, seeking to serve, I think the second thing is seeking help when I need it. Even though I am the SJA president, I would say my vice president knows way more about SJA than I do because he served on it before. And so being able to go to him and say, hey, I don't understand this. Could you help me? And then that's okay. It's okay for a leader not to know. And then being open to positive and negative criticism. You've shared more than two or three, which is great. You've mm-hmm. talked about humility. you talked yeah. about being a servant. You talked about being open to criticism. How have you used these traits mm-hmm. as you led SGA? Mm-hmm. Do you have an example? Well, yes. I mean, positive and negative criticism is one that comes right up. When you're in a public role, there will always, in any role of leadership, you always have room to grow. And so we had our, our second chapel and um, some things didn't go really well. And I remember sitting down and being like, okay, we have room to grow. And then um, our leader came and talked to us and said, hey, guys, what are we going to do about this? And I remember part of me wanted to say, well, you know, this is our first time doing this and give us grace. But another part was like, no, this is good. This is good criticism. We need to take it. It's like take the meat and throw out the bones. So take the ones, Mm. take the criticism that actually matters because there's so many students who come up and say, we like this, we don't like this. And some, a lot of it is valid, but some of it is not in our control. So being able to say thank you for your criticism Um, and we take it and we will evaluate and say, okay, what can we do about this? No, that's good. Mm -hmm. And and I know you believe this, this statement I'm going to make. And the greatest times for learning and for leadership is when we're in a valley or Mm -hmm. we've faced adversity. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, we're humble. At that point, we're willing more than ever before to be Mm -hmm. dependent on Christ. And we can can learn. And so Mm -hmm. I commend you for that. Thank you. In the the final several minutes of our podcast today, I want to go back, actually, to when you were much younger. Yeah. And um, talk about... When you were looking for a college, obviously you had sisters here, so mm-hmm. you knew of Cedarville. Yeah. Um, but what really prompted you to enroll here? Mm-hmm. This is a long way away from India. Yes, it is. That is. I love telling this story, so thank you for asking that question. Well, like you rightly said, my sisters, who are twins, they came here, and it was their freshman year. We came as a family to drop them off, and one of my sisters was pursuing a bachelor's in business, an undergrad in business, and... We had a meeting with the dean of the business department, which at that time was General Reno. Sure. 
And so we walked in. And at that time, I was a freshman in high school. And the meeting finished, and General Rena was saying bye to us. And he shook my hand, and he said, so, Sarah, are you going to come to Cedarville like your sisters? I looked him dead in the eye and said no. Really? Yes. Later on, I was told that when the dean of a department asks you if you're coming to that university, university, you don't say no. You say, I'm praying about it. Especially to a general. <laughs> yes, sir. And so I, I didn't want to come to Cedarville. Because your sisters because were here? Because my sisters were mm-hmm. here. I, I had the typical middle child syndrome. I was <laughs> like, no, thank you. I'm going to pave my own way, go somewhere else. And then, thankfully, in the grace of our Lord, that didn't happen. But really what changed my heart and attitude, one, was the Lord. But hearing my sisters come back, summer and Christmas break, and hearing them talk about the professors and the things that they were learning and dorm life and showing pictures and talking about how well they're looked after, I was like, oh, wait, something is different about Cedarville. But what the real deal breaker was, seeing how my sisters grew, not just intellectually, but grew in their walk with the Lord. Mm -hmm. I saw them come back and be kinder and be more loving and be more understanding and have a hunger for the word of God that I had not seen before they came to Cedarville. Wow. And that's when I was like, whoa, Cedarville is the real deal. They do stand for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And finally, when the time came for me to apply, Cedarville was number one on the list. And I thank the Lord that he's made it possible for me to be here. Uh, we're, we're glad you're here too. And, thank you. And uh, I'm, I'm so, kind of disappointed that I'm just now meeting you for the first time, <laughs> but uh, it's a delight. So I'm interested in knowing how did the Lord reinforce in your mind that this was the right decision for you to to enroll in at mm-hmm. Cedarville? Yeah. What? How did He uh, affirm that decision in mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Well, the first thing was I wanted to study psychology. I wanted to be a counselor, but I wanted to do it from a Christian university. So that was one of the things. And Cedarville met that they had a psychology program. Um, I was accepted. And so that was another thing like, okay, Lord, it seems like you're opening this door. Um, I applied for scholarships. There was another institution that did offer me a bigger scholarship at the time. And I remember sitting down and having conversations with my family saying, hey, maybe Cedarville isn't on the cards. Maybe you need to go to this other place. And I remember praying and saying, Lord, if Cedarville really is it, please make it possible. And that next week, um, I got an email saying that I was approved for another scholarship at Cedarville. And so Cedarville scholarship ended up trumping the other one. So I was like, okay, Lord, is this it? But then also being an international student, I had to apply for the student visa. Mm-hmm. And being accepted in a university doesn't ensure that you get that visa. And you have to apply for this visa in, I applied for it in June, and I was supposed to be here in August. And so it was like, okay, Lord, like if Cedarville is it, I'm admitted in, you've provided in scholarships, you've provided a dorm, a roommate, <laughs> please provide the visa. And I remember um, driving back from the embassy with my dad, having been approved for a visa. And we were just so thankful to the Lord that he had made it very clear that this is where I need to be. And he's continued to make it clear every single year he's provided. So that's been incredible. Thanks for sharing. So mm-hmm. you mentioned you're a psychology major. Yes. I'm interested in knowing why psychology mm-hmm. and then on the flip side, you know, what's your career aspirations with mm-hmm. your degree? Yes. So why psychology? <laughs> when I was a kid, I would tell people I wanted to be a mom and everyone would laugh. And then as I grew up, I was like, well, I want to be a teacher. But then there were certain things that happened in my middle school life where I really, really saw what the benefit of having counselors is. I had friends close to me who 
who were suicidal, who had suicide ideations, who were going through depression, anxiety, panic attacks. There are some people very dear to me who was walking that road. And I saw what the benefit of having a Christian counselor was in their lives. And that's when I really looked at psychology saying, okay, this is interesting. And then when I finally decided that I wanted to go into the field of counseling, I would talk to my friends, to my family about it. And they're like, Sarah, this makes so much sense. And so that's kind of what made me look at counseling. And then when I came to Cedarville, they have a great psychology program. And so learning about the different areas of psychology that I could go into, I picked the child and family track, um, which has a lot of counseling classes and absolutely loved it and still do because I'm still in some of those classes. I added on a women's ministry minor because I would love to end up serving in a ministry of sorts, whether that's a nonprofit or whatever, and being able to to use um, God willing, my counseling degree to be able to serve in that way. Okay. So this is a risky question I want to ask you mm-hmm. because we may offend some people, but do you have a favorite professor or two in uh, psychology? In, well, well, you narrowed it down. I did narrow it down. Because if you said, boy, I had a list ready. Um, we can go that route if you want. Hey, do we have time? Because, <laughs> um, well, that, I've loved our Bible minor mm-hmm. that we have. And I would say some of my favorite professors have been professors from the Bible minor. Okay. If we're specifically looking in the psychology department, boy, all the professors that I've been taught under have been incredible. Some that immediately come to mind is Dr. C, Dr. Krista Witt, um, and Professor Linnell. Just seeing their heart for their subject, but also their heart to help us students learn and not just make it in a counseling, like for the real world, but also personally and help us really understand it. And then the biblical integration, it's incredible. Yeah. And as we transition now toward near the end of the podcast, I'm interested in moving it down down the faith journey, yeah. your spiritual walk. Um, how have you seen your faith flourish during mm-hmm. your four years at Cedarville? Growing up in the church, I um, went to Sunday school, learned a lot about who Jesus was, um, came very early to faith, like asked the Lord to come into my heart when I was three, um, was baptized when I was 11. And so when I came into Cedarville and sat in Spiffo, which is now called Bible and the Gospel. What's Spiffo? Um, spiritual Formation. Um, in the Christian life, but they've changed it now to Bible and the Gospel. Okay. <laughs> and um, sitting there, I was like, well, I know it all. And I very quickly learned that I did not know it all. And that was an immediate showing of pride in my life, which I had to deal with that semester and kind of tear that down with the help of the Lord. Um, but I would say I've definitely grown in my walk, and that's, one, because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Sure. But also the him using avenues like chapel, my RAs, D groups, my professors who've challenged me in their classes. There were so many times where I walked out of Old Testament, New Testament, and Theo 1. I'm taking Theo 2 right now, but there's so many times I walked out of those classes and said, I need some time with the Lord because mm-hmm. there are things that I need to confess or I just need to be in the Word. One of my professors, Dr. Kimball, who taught Theo 1, um, just seeing his passion for the word and sitting down and saying, why don't I have that? Why am I not passionate to memorize scripture? Why am I not passionate to read my Bible? Yeah, I would say that has really helped seeing the example of different professors, different areas where you can get plugged in and learn more about the Lord. But just seeing those leaders' passions about the Lord has really helped. 
Is it obvious to you or maybe even your siblings or your family Mm -hmm. that the Sarah Shaw who's going to graduate in a few months is not the Sarah Shaw that came here four years ago? I would say it's definitely obvious to me. Whether it's obvious to my family, I sure do hope so. Um, I guess we can ask them come commencement time. Right. But I look back and see Sarah Shaw fresh out of high school, and I'm not the same person as I was. What's different? Oh, wow. My love for the Lord, definitely. I Boy, I was such, I was such a hypocrite coming out of high school. I mean, I, I was a Christian. I still am a Christian. I would, like, have spiritual disciplines in my life and things like that. But praise the Lord for sanctification mm. and his work and Thank the way you. he works in our lives. Sure. So I would say definitely grown in that. Definitely grown in other areas, socially, intellectually. I mean, different opportunities that I've been allowed to be a part of. Um, just even fresh off freshman year, I was a part of class council. So that helped grow me exponentially leadership-wise. Sure. Being a part of different groups, learning how to work in a group, learning how to lead a team. So I'd say I, I've definitely grown in the past four years, and I really do hope my family and friends have seen that. And you've grown not just in book knowledge, mm-hmm. but in heart knowledge. Oh, yes. My last question for you to, uh, for the podcast is a fun one. Mm-hmm. What is your greatest memory or your most memorable event from your four years here at Cedarville? Well, I'm going to pick something recent. There are quite a few that came to mind, but one of my greatest memories was sitting down with my SGA team for the first time and talking about our vision for the school year. Mm. And everyone had gone around and shared their heart and what they wanted to accomplish this year. And I remember sitting back um, in a sofa because we were all sitting like comfy. It was not a formal meeting and just thanking the Lord because no one had prepared. No one had talked to each other about what they were going to say, but everything that they said was just almost all the same. So there was unity of mind in that meeting. And each one of them had a desire to humbly serve the Lord. And I'm like, Lord, there's nothing that me or my vice president or our team of execs could have done. This is your evidence, your work in their lives. Mm. And sitting there being so thankful that this is the team that I get to work with and that I get to serve alongside with. Mm. That's one of my favorite memories. That's, that's a great memory. And you'll take that uh, wherever you go, wherever mm-hmm. the Lord leads you. You'll always have that memory and many others from Cedarville. Oh, yeah. Madam President. It is an honor to be in your presence. Thanks for uh, being part of the podcast. It was a delight to spend time with you. Thank you very much, Mark, for having me. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. You are encouraged to share, like, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.